This is Rewired Radio with Erica Spiegelman, addiction and wellness specialist, motivational speaker, and author, helping individuals, couples, and families regain a sense of control, leading to personal growth, wellness, and a more fulfilling life. Here's Erica Spiegelman. Welcome, everyone. When you're on the road to recovery, it can be nice to have a guide who understands your unique needs. Sam Epstein understands this better than most people. Sam works as a case manager who coordinates care for his clients' specific needs. He has also been in recovery since December 2013. Sam used his expertise, experience, and wisdom to find to to find and found SoberCompass.org, which helps people find the best method in place for their own personal recovery. Sam's here today to talk to us about his own journey and the ways that Sober Compass helps his clients. He's also going to talk to us about why staying healthy in all ways will help serve as your own compass, guiding you to your purpose and your passion in life. Sam Epstein, welcome to the show. So happy to have you with me today. Thank you, Erica. I'm glad to be here. Um, I am, I'm just, I'm thrilled that you are another champion for recovery and that you are, you know, helping people find, um, their own path in a way. Like I'm a huge believer in everybody that, that's in sobriety or recovery kind of doing it their own way. What, what tailors to them, what fits their life, their past, you know, their trauma. And so can you just speak to that a little bit about, you know, how you kind of, um, help people find their own like treatment plan in a way? Yeah, definitely. So in my experience, I started out at a year sober at the medical treatment center, and what I found was every addiction is different. You know, every patient's reason for using and their course of life can be different, and the one-size-fits-all method just doesn't work because it doesn't address mm-hmm. the individual's needs. Um, so what we do is, you know, we use our experience, we consult, we advise, and we guidance to enable our, parent, our patients to entrust in our program and our planned outline. Um, and once they see that plan work and there's a dramatic change in the lifestyle, we act as a partner throughout their whole recovery journey. You know, we don't want to just let them take off. We put them in a facility and let them live their own life. We want to stay with them and help guide them, you know, as long as they need us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like if somebody's listening now and, and thinking like, gosh, I need my, you know, I want my son or daughter or husband or wife or whoever, my friend, uh, you know, I, I want them to get treatment, they call you. Can you just take us through a little bit of what, what you do in terms of getting to know that individual and then and then how you kind of hold your hold their hand so that people understand so they want to reach out? Yeah, so when the client gives us a call, we want to do a pretty thorough assessment with them. We want to figure out where they are currently in life, uh, what their past life has looked like, if there's mm-hmm. any mental health issues, if there's any physical issues, kind of legal issues, um, if they've been to treatment before in the past, those are the main issues we're looking at because what we find is that these patients who have gone continuously into a program, it doesn't work for them, they start to lose hope that mm-hmm. recovery is not for them, they're terminally unique, like it's not going to work. So we want to make sure we do a pretty thorough assessment so we can find the program that's going to work for them um, based off of the facilities that we are in contact with. All right, Sam, can you tell us just a little bit about, um, you know, you said that you do obviously um, tailor and specialize, you know, the, the, your clients to go into certain centers, and then you get to know the centers, you understand what kind of clinicians you have and what kind of specific treatment they're going to have? 
Yeah, so when we first started, we worked with a handful of facilities um, through, you know, clients giving us feedback, um, and then Mm -hmm. also feedback from other professionals in the industry. What we realized is that even though a facility might claim to be dual diagnosis, the level of clinical care just isn't there. Um, It's not enough for the patient, because every patient might have different past trauma that they have to deal with. Um, So it might not be a high enough level of care for one specific person. So, you know, we've tailored it down a lot. um, And we found that there are a lot of good facilities still out there. But with that being said, it's not as easy as just someone picking up their phone and calling a facility and hoping what they're hearing from the operator on the other line is necessarily the truth. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I, I asked that, because I feel like so many people um, kind of jump at the first treatment center that they hear about or that they call an operator and, and you know, they're given somewhere and it's just not the right fit. And so I think their first some some people, their first experience at, at treatment and with the center is not as uh, on par as it, it could be. And, and that's where I think a lot of people, you know, it kind of they they extend their use using or they extend like the time that they're out and about still in their addiction. So it it, it is. I think it's just such a it's such a beautiful thing that you guys are offering the, a service really where it can it can increase the chances of long term sobriety by finding the right facility. Right. What I've also noticed is when a client might call one facility and their insurance just doesn't have the benefits for that specific facility, sometimes they give up hope. You know that yeah. they're like I tried so. You know, God must not want me to get sober because they can't <laughs> take me. So we kind right. of alleviate that pain, you know, by working mm-hmm. with other facilities is that we can provide a backup plan for them in case that happens. Oh, that's great. That's so great. There's so there's so, I know there's so many families out there that contact me and there's just people out there that really don't really understand um, the treatment um, process and and are scared to like tell, tell their work or, you know, sh- am I allowed to leave work? Am I allowed to do this? Am I allowed to do that? And so do you help guide these questions too? Because I know so many people have this, just, just questions of just based in fear that they can't really leave their lives when that's the one thing that they should do is get out of their environment. Yeah. That's probably the biggest thing I deal with is getting a client yeah. on the phone and then coming up with reasons why they still can't go to treatment. Um, yes. Work is a big one. A lot of people aren't familiar with FMLA and the fact that there is a law out there where, you know, if you have worked at the job for a specific amount of time, you can leave for medical absence without telling them what kind of absence it is. You know, you tell them it's a medical issue and you can leave. And a lot of people don't realize that. You know, they're not told yeah. that. You know, these facilities aren't telling them that when they're calling on the other line. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a big issue. Another one is legal stuff. A lot of people are scared to leave because, you know, they might be on misdemeanor probation when, in fact, going to treatment typically looks better for the client. Mm hmm. Well, I'm really I'm really grateful that you're sharing that today, because I, I, I think that that is a, the two the the two um, most uh asked questions in my own practice as well. And so I'm glad you cleared that up. Um, and, and for families that really that want to kind of understand how to uh, treat or treat or confront um, this issue before their, their loved one goes away, do you help with that too? What to say if they needed intervention, kind of how to guide the family members to kind of have the boundaries or take care of themselves or, you know, speak from their heart? You know, do, do you have someone that helps them with that situation as well? Yeah, I actually personally do it myself, to be honest with you. Um, It's Mm -hmm. actually one of my favorite parts about the job. I like speaking with the families 
and helping you know them become at ease with the fact about a loved one going to treatment or telling their loved ones that they need to go to treatment because i know for me it was i'm in recovery myself and it was very difficult to tell my parents that you know i had to admit my defeat and tell them i needed help you know and i saw their reaction and there wasn't that person who has no influence like i did you know after i'm lying cheating stealing with my family it's hard for them to grasp you know is this real like is he using me again so if i can Mm -hmm. act as that barrier for the client and the parent or the client and the wife whatever that may look like i think it makes the whole situation a lot easier um and it helps the client really prepare um for this journey Mm -hmm. absolutely and it helps it really helps that you have been there and so to segue into that a little bit, I mean, I, I know, you know, myself, I'm I'm always doing uh, therapy with clients and I'm on the front lines every day working at a center and, and having a private practice. And I know that it does help when I talk to, to families to kind of have a personal experience of saying, you know, this this is what may come up. These are the challenges that, that you may see, but this is also a, a way to communicate you know that you can communicate in a loving way instead of a confrontational way or things like that so can, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got started in this professionally and and how you're on the personal path to recovery yeah so back in december of 2013 um i just hit what i consider my spiritual bottom um, a mm-hmm. lot of people talk about a rock bottom for me it was mm-hmm. spiritual bottom i still had finances but i was yeah. still still unhappy You know, I Mm -hmm. got sober with this seemingly hopeless state of mind, you know, that I would never recover, like that my life as a drug addict was the only life I'd ever have. Um, So with that came the desperation to do whatever it took. Um, I was willing to go to any length. I went to treatment myself. I was in there for 90 days. I did detox, residential, outpatient, sober living. I took all the direction possible. Um, and where that took me was a, a life that I'd never dreamed I would get. Um, like I said, before I started working in the treatment center when I had about a year sober, um, and what I saw was like, I was trying to sell people on the facility because I worked for that facility. You know, it might not right. necessarily been the best fit for them. Um, mm-hmm. and I found that wasn't fair to the clients because yeah. I was lucky. I went to a facility, I picked up the phone, you know, it was enough, but at the same time, before I came out to the facility, they asked me if I had any questions, and I didn't even know what question to ask. I was that yeah. coolest. This whole thing was brand new to me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I, I like being this, you know, image of hope for some people who might never have gone through this process, or they have gone through it and it hasn't worked out. Um, and I can share that, like, that's okay, too. And there are people out there willing to give you answers to the questions you do have. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it helps so much um, when you feel like you have, you know, you have these fears and you feel like no one's no one's going to be able to understand your fears. And then somebody does and they relate and they yeah, it's it's a it's a wonderful it's a wonderful like switch mentally and, and emotionally. Um, so when you were talking about an, an, your spiritual bottom, it, it very much like an internal bottom. And I and I love that you said that because I, I feel like. Um, a lot of people qualify their lowest and most hopeless times with with kind of an external bottom. When really, I think um, 
remembering that internal bottom, remembering that feeling of despair, of self-betrayal is the one thing that actually keeps you kind of on this on this sober path or on the path of health um, so that you are, that you don't forget really how far you have come and to feel like that feeling in your body somatically so that that again, um, when when another thought crosses your mind as thoughts do cross our minds at all times, um, we kind of remember that. Do you do you do you agree with that? Do you help people that you work with um, kind of embrace that kind of thinking and uh, get them to see their internal as well as their external bottom? Yeah, I like to focus a lot more the, on the internal because that was my experience. Of course, the external is always a reflection of the internal. Um, Which is more obvious. To my, yeah. Right, of course. Yeah. I, I try to emphasize to my clients that you only have one thought at the current moment. You know, so if you're thinking negatively, like that is your thought. You might think you have hundreds of thoughts running through your head and you've got a lot on your mind, but you only have one thought going on at every moment. So to Mm -hmm. use that thought more wisely and be mindful of what that thought really is. So when a situation comes up, you know, you don't have to go back to that bottom because people hit that spiritual bottom with lengthy sobriety as well. Um, Right. You know, that that does happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and so with with Sober Compass, are you continuing to see that there is um, a need for different kinds of treatment now? I mean, it, it, do you do you do you tend to like research uh, whether it's like a Buddhist meditation treatment center or a 12 step center or non 12 step center? Do, are you are you across the board looking into all those things so if people want to be really specific with what they're looking for if they have been through treatment, let's say, and they really, you know, have have experienced a certain type of treatment and don't, and and feel like it's not a fit. Are you constantly kind of looking what's going on out there? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it goes along with kind of like the pre-assessment that we do. You know, we want to see did the holistic method work, did the 12 step method work, you know, what have you tried? What haven't you tried? Have you been in an all male or all female facility? Have you been in a co-ed facility? Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, there's so many different kinds of treatment out there that we have to remain open because Mm -hmm. someone might try 12 step, it might not work. And then on the other hand, that might be the solution for the next person. Um, so if we don't remain open with different facilities that we deal with, um, it's going to limit the amount of people we can really help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. I, I love that you have an array of, of referrals for that. And and what do you in your own life? What 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 do you do to cope um, with stress? And what do you do to cope with life's everyday ups and downs? Um, now that obviously you're not uh, using drugs or alcohol. Right. Um, so I love to ask you know, the question I because. Am- I think it's so helpful for people to hear because, you know, I, I really, I mean, I write about it. I, I always want to give people solutions and, and coping skills, but I really love to to ask my um, experts that come on here or my guests that come on here, uh, especially the ones that are leading a healthy life. Yeah, I think what's been mostly important for me, um, A, is remaining teachable. You know, I, I need to uh-huh. remember that myself will cause me to use drugs and alcohol almost my entire life up to this point. So if I remain teachable and willing to take direction, I'm already on a path to recovery. And Mm -hmm. then B, also sticking with like-minded people. You know, if I'm surrounding myself with bad people, I'm going to do bad things. And when I surround myself with good people, I'm going to do good things. You know, so I took that into my sobriety. And if I surround myself with people who are taking their sobriety seriously, it it helps me maintain my sobriety. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Yeah. So community, being with people that are healthy minded um, and like minded, having an open mind, open heart to, to learning new things. Um, is is there is there anything that you like do hobby wise? Is there anything that you do on a daily basis? Any like practices that that maybe would be helpful for somebody? Yeah, I'm I'm actually a twelve step guy myself. So uh-huh. I still at three years sober, I go to a meeting every day. Um, oh, wow! You know, I maintain my primary purpose of finding out how I can be of service to somebody else. Because that's mm-hmm. the biggest way for me to get out of self is helping somebody else. You know, and yeah. my work is helping other people, but, you know, I keep my work and my sobriety completely separate. Um, mm-hmm. I, w- I want to make sure that I do draw a line between altruistically helping somebody out and mm-hmm. doing it for work. Um, so I do make sure I maintain that. Um, you know, and not only in the rooms of like a 12 step program, but in all of my life, you know, if I don't practice mm-hmm. the principles, uh, the spiritual principles as outlined in a 12 step program, you know, whether it's in business relationships, um, work, when I'm getting run off the road, driving in LA traffic, you know, <laughs> if I don't practice those principles in all my affairs, it, it makes for an unhealthy lifestyle. You know, that's not mm-hmm. fair for the people around me who show me mm-hmm. unconditional love and it's not fair to me either. Mm-hmm. So when you say practice those principles, principles of what being authentic, being honest, what what does that mean for people that are listening that really don't speak this language? Yeah, so, you know, mostly for me, uh, the things that I dealt with when I was using was dishonesty, selfishness, self-centeredness, um, mm-hmm. fear, um, angry, like resentments because of anger. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of the principles I'm talking about would be the complete opposite, like spiritual principles of honesty, um, humility, open-mindedness, willingness, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because it's not stuff that I had before, and my life right. wasn't great before, and it's stuff I practice now, and now my life is, you know, greater than I could have ever imagined. Right, absolutely. And and can you attest to this? Because I think, I mean, I've changed my life too in different ways and in a different way, but I, I really believe in routine and, and like you said, trying, I know we're all human, but trying on a daily basis to, you know, like kind of keep like keep creating those pathways and, and making sure that like, you know, you, you, you continually do or practice these principles, practice these routines or healthy ways of living so that eventually one day it becomes more automatic and you build that muscle. Would you say that that's happened to you or you've, you've seen it become easier just for those people like listening out there that haven't yet changed their lives, but want to? Yeah. What I've seen in myself is that it becomes easier over time, just like anything Uh else. You know, if you play guitar and you practice, you become better at it. Um, there's not like a light switch that flips on. And it's like, today I'm going to be willing and I'm automatically right. willing, you know, but I am able to like take a step back now and realize mm-hmm. when I'm not so I can have that change in behavior. Because if yeah. I don't, then I do notice the difference. You know, if I don't have that routine where, you know, I'm getting up at 515 and I'm walking my dog and I'm meditating and then I go to a meeting, then I go to my job and then I get off and I call somebody who has less time sober than me. When I don't do those things, I don't feel as comfortable as when I do those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, it sounds like a lot of things to do, but yet it, it, when it starts to serve you, I think it, it doesn't ever feel that like like that. You know, I just think it, it sometimes when people are starting off in recovery, it kind of could become overwhelming. But I think, like you said, when you do them, you see the positive results and then it's not as, uh, it's not as wearing on you. 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I didn't even want to brush my teeth or take a shower when I was, you know, using heroin, you know, but there was things that needed to be done. <laughs> so, yeah, I, so right. I do them now, you know, <laughs> and right. like, yeah. you know, these things might sound outlandish to people who, you know, are still struggling, you know, or, or not used to doing them. But just like brushing my teeth, it becomes the norm. You know, I don't even right. think about it. Right. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And so sober compass. Um, I love the word compass because I really believe in an, like an internal um, guidance system that we all have. Um, is that is that where that came from? And do you believe in everybody kind of tapping into that inner voice and that intuition? Yeah. So that was, you know, our, our main goal was to, you know, show people that you know, you have this inside of you that can point you into to a new direction that you never had thought you could be at. Um, so we we use as our logo, we use north um, just because that's a straightforward direction. You know, not east or west. Of course, mm-hmm. not south because we don't want to make it feel like you're going backwards. You want to move right. forward in your life. Um, mm-hmm. so that's why we outline the north on our logo. But it's very important for people to realize that you know it's your own individual path. You know, we're not telling you you have to go north. You know, your your north yeah. could be different than my north. Um, right. But, you know, there is a path that you can go down to help you recover from that seemingly hopeless state of mind that myself and others have had. Right, right. Absolutely. And and do you feel like your own intuition has gotten much stronger as the years have gone by? I have. It's, um, <laughs> it's, it's still crazy at this point at three years sober. I'm actually surprised on a daily basis how intuitively right I can be on situations. Um, just because it's still so foreign, it's still fresh, even at three years. And I'm not sure that it will ever go away. And you know, that Mm -hmm. feeling might not ever go away. Um, but I still surprise myself on a daily basis, how, you know, intuitively I know what to do. You know, I don't have to question, is this right? Is this wrong? Should I be thinking mm-hmm. this way? Should I be thinking that way? You know, mm-hmm. I just know that what I'm doing is going to benefit myself, which is a, it's a great feeling. It's very comfortable. Yeah, and there's a freedom, I think, in that. There's a freedom in um, not being, a, you know, being, I, I think, having the safety from within, not feeling like something's going to come across your path in life. I mean, yeah, you know, we all have ups and downs and we have moments that we get thrown off, but something comes across your path and you have now the coping skills. Um, which I think are really a huge part of this is that, you know, when, when you're trying to get sober, you don't have coping skills. You, you haven't even, there's no contrast. You haven't even tried to cope in a different way. So you don't know what it feels like. So do you encourage um, clients that work with you to kind of continually like giving them coping skills or giving them ways to, to learn new coping skills um, so that they, 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 they start to have that sense of freedom or safety within themselves? Yeah, that's a that's a very good question because, you know, I sit here and say how great my life is. But, you know, this isn't unicorns and rainbows. Like, certain yeah. stuff still does happen. Um, <laughs> right. So, you know, it's how we deal with that stuff, though. So, you know, I make sure that my clients, I do regular follow-ups with them. Um, when they first get sober, you know, we're talking daily. Then it turns to weekly, then every other week, and then monthly. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I see my clients at meetings as well. Um and I, I want to make sure that they're aware that I am here with more time to offer them my experience on how to deal with a situation, you know, and mm-hmm. just because I haven't done everything in my sobriety perfect, like I am still sober. So I do have something to offer to get right. through those certain trials and tribulations you're talking about. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that. And and I also really um, appreciate your honesty with the, you know, you telling everybody that you did go through treatment once, right? It was a 90-day treatment. And right. you, you stayed sober after that because I, I don't, you know, we don't hear that as much. We hear these kind of stories of people in and out of treatment for years or the 10th time or the third time or, you know, um, so I appreciate you saying that because I know that there there are people that that go once and get that done with. Yeah, I think you know, in in this time and this day and age, it, it can be hard, you know, especially when you're not finding the facility that best meets your needs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I said before, I was blessed with the desperation to do whatever it took. You know, I deal with some clients who who are kind of there, kind of not there, and you know, once I speak to them and you know, give them this understanding of why it's important to let go of that cell phone during the blackout period of treatment, you know, mm-hmm. or why they don't need to be on social media all day anymore. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of stuff, you know, it, it will open you up and that open-mindedness to just, I can't do this anymore. I'm completely proud of this situation. Let me take direction. Um, I think that's the biggest thing for me. You know, that's why it was a, one-and-done type thing so far. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, of course, say so far because it's only been so far. You know, I don't want to, you know, jinx myself by any means, knock on wood. Um, But, yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely possible. You know, I deal with kids who have been to treatment 18 times, and then I help them put them in a facility the 19th time, and they've been sober eight months, you know. And then I deal with kids who have never been to treatment, and they go to treatment one time they don't get it that time then they go the next time and they get it um right you know there's a certain level of introspection um that needs to be maintained um mm-hmm. and then also like i said that that willingness to do whatever it takes is very important yeah i echo that definitely and 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 also everybody is different and so you know just just never listen to anyone else's story and, and your story is going to be your own and and everybody gets it at a different time so i appreciate you sharing that with us exactly. um we could find sober compass at www.sobercompass.org and then facebook you have a great uh facebook page which is facebook.com slash sober compass and instagram at sober compass thank you sam for being with me today um so it's been such an honor and i'm so happy that you got to share uh your work your passion and your story with us you're li- you're listening to rewired radio on radio md i'm erica spiegelman thank you all for joining us and stay well a great radio show may sound like it's easy to make but if you've ever tried you know that's not the case with the time spent engineering producing and archiving you end up losing focus on what really matters the content of your show if you put your show on the gab radio network you'll be able to leave all those technical worries to our staff of highly trained engineers and producers and all you need to do is have fun and put on a great show want to find out more send an email over to sales at gabradionetwork.com that's sales at gabradionetwork.com